Welcome to the Scott Shepard Podcast. I am a man on a mission to create an army of independent writers, creators, and thinkers who make a hell of a living doing what they love. And it all starts with one thing, and that is doing things the old way, the hard way, the deliberate way, the anti-net way. Listen in as I share thoughts and rants of what goes on behind the scenes as I create an independent knowledge empire where I get to spend my days doing what I love, reading, writing, and thinking while making a hell of a living and helping my people do the same. Hey, what's up, friend? Welcome back to another episode of The Daily Scott Shepherd. Today's episode is number 221. It's going to be a briefer one because, well, I'm quite frankly probably in the doghouse with my mother, who is down the street with my father and her friend in Little Italy, San Diego, California, where on a 7.30 p.m. on a Saturday evening, they are dining in a Little Italy nice little restaurant with Gigi filling up on Chardonnay left and right, and I've got Fiona crying outside. And here's the sad thing. I just stepped on her tail accidentally, and I think she's basically scarred for life and she uh, hates me and I stepped on her tail about 15 minutes ago and now I have on record and hopefully to the entire PETA community somebody will stumble upon this and know that as far as a father and responsible citizen and caretaker of a kitty cat, a ragdoll, an expensive little breeder cat who is an expensive little shit sometimes. You now have it on record that Scott Paul Shepper of San Diego, California is a PETA abuser and on the hit list. So with that out of the way, we can proceed with today's brief episode, which shall pick up where I left off. And yesterday's episode touched briefly upon the importance of randomness. You see, in the field of evolution and everything that you see around you in life, the good, the bad, the ugly, contains therein properties of one thing randomness genetic variation genetic variation produces breakthrough insights and breakthrough advances that are unexpected this is why nicholas lumen the creator of the anti-net zettelkasten system was so adamant about the Folgezeitel, which is essentially the German term for the tree-like structure and numbered IDs, wherein the numbered IDs of your notes represent a numbered ID almost like your own thought in your brain. This is why he was so adamant about them being static, fixed, unconventional, odd, never-changing, and resulting over time as it grows in a random-like structure. 
Now, what I want you to picture right now in your head is a tree. A big oak tree with many branches, thick branches, medium branches, sturdy, solid. And on the branches, there are breakpoints in which it breaks off into sub-branches, medium-strengthed branches, and on and on. And even the medium-strengthed branches have branches, which eventually get so tiny and flimsy and small that they could be considered stems. Stems of thought. Stems of leaves. What is a leaf? A leaf is a thought, a thought with a fixed ID. That is how you should think of the tree of knowledge that you are building. That is precisely how the anti-net is structured. Yet on each and every one of those leaves is an ID, a fixed ID. It never changes. On that fixed ID, and on any leaf, you can write anything. And you can even reference other leaves in another random area on another completely different opposite end and opposite branch and seemingly unrelated branch in your tree of knowledge. The system that Lumen created and crafted correlates with the best systems there are the anti-fragile systems, the systems of nature, wherein it combines both order and chaos. You see, the digital Zettelkasten fangirls of today, and I actually do not want to offend women when I say fangirls because I'm using that in a, a rather derogatory sense, because from what I've seen, the main proponents and spreaders of the Zettelkasten's false, mythical, misconstrued ideas and information are caused by males. In fact, two females and one male, actually two males, are thus far the only ones that I've seen get it right. <laughs> so if anything, I should come up with some more creative derogatory euphemism to deride the b-words and by b-words i mean b-holes that are ruining zettelkasten and nicholas lumen's interpretation of it or his his elucidation of it i should say and they have essentially cast it aside and by they, I will, of course, call out those people in specific, libelous, slanderous detail. Not slanderous, because I could do so right now, but I'm going to save it so that I can undress them and expose them publicly and in writing. Because that is the type of person I am. An asshole. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, no, I'm just kidding. 
I do feel bad about it, but I want to make sure that I do not criticize and portray myself too harshly. And as you can probably tell, hey, Fiona, stop it or I'm going to step on your goddamn tail again. Oh, sorry. Crap. Was that on right now? Um, uh, legal disclaimer, if you are a part of PETA, this show is for entertainment purposes only. All characters and even animals mentioned on the show are paid actors. They are either paid in self-praise and acknowledgement of being considered cool in the person's mind who is speaking to you right now or if the actor is a feline cat he or she is paid with the seafood edition or gravy edition of fancy feast anyway as i was saying as you can tell i get pretty fired up when i see injustice being done to the world right i mean come on we are I mean, I'm, look, I, I, I realize how nerdy this sounds, but it is rather preposterous and sad how misconstrued Nicholas Lumen's Zettelkasten has become, and how far it has strayed away from its origins. So here's what I want to say to you about randomness. Picture a tree and that branch of a tree, okay? I'm going to tell you how trees work in the anti-net structure. Say, for instance, that you are writing about cognitive biases and cognitive fallacies. And I'm going to actually use an example and this example because it's from my real life antinet, my Zettelkasten. I have a branch called cognitive fallacies. And to make things simple, I'll just say, let's say, for instance, The branch is labeled or numbered five. Okay. Cognitive fallacy is number five. And mine is not number five. I have a four digit top level branch, just like Lumen did in his second Zettelkasten. But I don't want to use those figures right now because I don't want you to go cross eyed while I'm trying to actually explain this and you're driving and I don't want you to, you know, essentially hurt yourself. It's fine if you get distracted and hit somebody else because, quite frankly, I care about you because there's not many people that are committed to growth, learning, and being a badass, and world takeover, and also, for some reason, like tuning in to someone that dreams of being Stewie Griffin from the show Family Guy, so much so that he named his Antinet, his doppelganger, after Stewie Griffin from Family Guy. Anyway, I'm going to get back on point rather than continue down the path of explaining how I think it's perfectly fine for you to get distracted and confused and thereby end up result in running into someone and <laughs> killing somebody. <laughs> so let's let's keep going, huh? How how about that? So. Here's the thing. Let's say you start a cognitive fallacy branch, and it's number five, okay? The beautiful thing about the anti-net is that 
unlike the top-level category-based systems where you have to put a lot of pre-planning and pre-thought into what categories and branches and the taxonomy that you are creating. Instead of doing that, here's the thing. It doesn't really matter. I somewhat and sort of regret only putting the cognitive fallacies in one branch, one top-level branch. I wish I perhaps broke them up into the category of the different types of cognitive fallacies there are. For instance, the social cognitive fallacies, the memory-based cognitive fallacies, the confirmation bias-based cognitive fallacies. That would have been cool if I had that pre-planned and added and organized from the very beginning. And hell, if this was implemented in a digital format, I could probably spend a good afternoon wasting my time refactoring and then probably three months later re-refactoring and continually trying to come up with the perfect ordered taxonomy, which is a complete and utter waste of time. You know why? It's because the best systems are not like that. The best systems are a mix of order and chaos. The best systems are represented in nature. For instance, a tree. So the system that you want to design and model and create shall be and must be correlated with nature, with biology. That is a similar principle echoed by Ray Dalio in his book called Principles. The strongest systems and the strongest models are, according to Ray Dalio, best designed and inspired with biology and actual nature and physics in mind. Hate to break it to you, but as of now, the digital world is just a playground sandbox of digital information of the human mind. Hey, Scott Shepard here. Real quick, this podcast is sponsored by me. Yes, me, Sir Scott of Shepard. I am committed to never shilling some dildo hipster crappy freaking product like all the other podcasters do. All right? My only ask, however, is that you spend 10 seconds right now. Literally pull to the side of the freaking road, the freeway. Stop. (laughs) Rate and review this podcast. Share it with a friend. This will help me spread my movement. You see, I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days writing and creating using analog tools while making multiple six figures if they even need to, and more importantly, building a tribe of people that they were called to build, okay? And I want you to rate and review this podcast because it will directly help me in this mission. That's all I ask. All right, now back to the regularly scheduled program. Peace. I will say that again. It is a digital, metaphysical, virtual, non-real, non-reality based system. 
you will get way too obsessed with order and you can waste your entire life creating things, refactoring things, reorganizing things that do not matter in the grand scheme of things. And I'm not going to dive down that rabbit hole because that is a paradox to be addressed and explained another day. What I'm talking about is the the paradox of focusing on the big picture versus the idea and principle that how you do anything is how you do everything and details matter, right? Order and chaos, that is nature. You want a system that embraces both. Quite frankly, digital systems, as much as you want to design and self-delude yourself into adding chaos, complexity, maybe graph level overviews of cool little bubbles of your connected thoughts and, whoa, that's, uh, that's, that's chaotic. You know, I can come up with random ideas. You're bullshitting yourself. And I know because I was doing it and I wasted three months this year of my life, like six days a week, building it out, building out the digital version of an anti-net in Obsidian, which is a fantastic tool, by the way. There's a lot of tools that are inferior in a very, very, very obvious way. Obsidian is a beautiful tool, but it is not Lumen's system, and it is not what you want. So, here I am, stuck with one cognitive fallacy branch, for example, labeled number five. Guess what? It doesn't matter. Because here's what I did, and here's what you can do. What Lumen meant by internal branching, an infinite number of internal branches, is I simply created the social cognitive fallacy branch as 5-1, and memory as 5-2, and confirmation bias as 5-3. And if there are more specific, smaller niche versions of those, and the subcategories, guess what? They're going to get 5-1A, 5-1B, 5-1C, or even 5-1-1, right? And it will grow slowly in an organic, odd, unconventional way. So the fact is, and this should be a sense of relief, is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your top level, when you're getting started with your own analog anti-net, Zettelkasten, it doesn't matter if you're not sure of what it will turn into. You should have a rough structure, a rough outline, a rough out idea of where you're even going. That is definitely helpful. Or that is what I prefer. And I outlined that a little bit yesterday. But you don't have to. That's just what I prefer to do. Have a rough outline in the very beginning. Nicholas Lumen had 108 sections. 
in his first Zettelkasten and 11 top-level sections in his second. And that's just a rough idea of just a starting point. You don't even have to stick to the original theme of the branch. For instance, you can experiment. And what I mean by that is that a concept, for instance, like authenticity, which is a big concept in copywriting and marketing and social settings and meeting people and connecting and networking. And it is also a big, huge aspect of dating. And so at one point I was reading a dating book and I took notes, analog notes, and I have a nice section built out that started in the dating branch on authenticity. It's like picture dating as number 24 as a branch, and then authenticity is 24-17, okay? And under 24-17 is a bunch of really interesting developments on authenticity. Now, instead of creating a duplicate authenticity branch under a marketing branch, like, you know, eight, let's say is marketing, right? Instead, I chose that anything that is related to authenticity, I refer to 24-17. And it's important and it's interesting because it reminds me that when I'm doing marketing or when I'm doing persuasion, mass persuasion, which is essentially the, what marketing is, okay? It reminds me each time that, oh, wow, yeah, that's interesting. Why am I in branch 24 for authenticity, which happens to be the most important concept in marketing? Why, why am I in this? Oh, yeah, it's because it's also the most important concept in dating and communication and networking and all of these things. So you're able to actually have your context create communication and meaning for you and connections that you will, let's be honest, you're not going to find when you create a bajillion freaking tags and are busy refactoring and reorganizing and reading up on if you're doing Obsidian right and you're building you know, maps of content for your second brain and if you are using the proper tool to capture your knowledge, right? No, you're bullshitting yourself if you think you will get the same effect from those types of systems. A lot of this stuff can only be experienced with a serious, deliberate effort in creating your own analog anti-net. So what does this type of structure give us? It gives us uniqueness, randomness, proximity to other things, connections across different branches, and a stamped historical record forever, a permanent history of your own tree of knowledge and your own stems of thoughts and branches of thoughts evolving 
over time. And when other people look at it and look at your tree of knowledge and look at the categories and look at the different links across different leaves, they may not get it. But the best part about it is that it is stamped in your head and you can take it anywhere, even into the shower, even without your phone, even impromptu, because it is neurally imprinted into your mind. Why? Because of the analog aspect of it achieved through writing by hand and neuroimprinting over and over and over again and reviewing because there's no search. So you're essentially always in explorer mode reviewing and finding new associations in your tree of knowledge. It's addicting, it's fun, and everyone is missing out on that. Why? Because the blowhard tools that are misleading not just everyone else, but also themselves because they don't get it. But that, my friend, is why I'm here, and that, my friend, is why I have elected to get myself in even more trouble for going on such a long episode when my mom is on her probably third Chardonnay and going to grill me in front of an entire restaurant staff. So with that said, I've got to head out, but not first without making sure that you understand that you must always remember to stay crispy, my friend. Scott Shepard, signing off. As for the time, it's 7.53 post-meridium. I'm in trouble with my mom. Fuck my life. Love you. See you tomorrow. Peace. Hey, real quick. This podcast was made possible by my sponsor, which is me. Yes, frickin' me, Sir Scott of Shepherd. You see, I am committed to never shilling some dildo-freaking-hipster-crappy product like all the other podcasters do. All right? So my only ask is that you spend 10 seconds right now. Pull to the side of the road, even if you're on the frickin' freeway and rate and review this podcast. Then share it with a friend. That's my only ask. You see, this will help spread my movement. I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days doing what they love. Writing, creating, thinking, and taking notes using analog tools, while also making multiple six figures if they even choose to. And more importantly, I want to help my people build a tribe a tribe of people that they were meant to serve. And so by rating and reviewing this podcast right now, you will directly help me and many others in achieving this mission. Peace.